Hello, we're glad you could join us for this installment of Clone Wars, an Orphan Black podcast. My name is Mike. And I'm Dave, and tonight we're here to talk about Season 2, Episode 3 of BBC America's Orphan Black that aired on May 3rd, 2014. The episode's titled Mingling Its Own Nature With It. And remember, you can access this show and all our Orphan Black shows through both the Lost Girl Podcast Fatalist and Liberate a Continuum podcast. So as long as you subscribe to either one of those podcasts, you'll automatically receive our Orphan Black discussions in your feed. Or if you prefer, you can just go directly to the website www.continuumpodcast.com or fatalists.podbean.com to listen, or you can subscribe through Stitcher. Dude, we got a lot to talk about tonight. <laughs> You're not kidding. And, uh, you know, I think we're beyond saying, God, this episode was even better than the last, but, uh, but it was. Um, all right. So we got a lot of questions, a lot of points. And, you know, one of the things that, that uh, will come up in the course of the discussion, but I want to throw it out there now Am I the only one that sees Daniel as the Terminator? You know, the sunglasses, the dark clothes, the relentlessness. I, I want to f say, wasn't he an agent in the Matrix? <laughs> if he wasn't, he should have been. Exactly. But <laughs> uh, he is really creepy and creepy in a good way. I mean, given his character and all that. But the main storyline obviously focuses on Sarah who's gone on the run with Felix and Kira. And, you know, we always talk about, you know, who does she have a plan? And I think we thought she did not. Yeah. Well, clearly she did. A semblance of one anyway. <laughs> so we're to believe they just got in the truck and started driving out in the wilderness. And, oh, yeah, by the way, I've been here before. Well, not that, because I, I say semblance of a plan because I'm, I can't say she would know what would happen with Cal once they got there. So... <laughs> Right. I'm not sure what she, what reaction she thought she would get. Yeah, well, she always knew she could pull the kid card. And, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, so anyway, so you know, we see them on the run, and one of the first things that you that really starts to kind of pull at your heartstrings is when you realize they've got no food and they've got no money. Now, I'm not sure why they have no money, right? Because I mean, she had Beth's seventy thousand dollars or whatever it was. Well, no, because <laughs> that went back into the Clone Club. Oh, right. Because right. she couldn't take that from Allison, but she should, she probably just didn't have enough time, I would say, based on the events at the uh, ranch, farm, whatever the heck that place was. Right. But uh, the, the thing it reminds me of is that this is what would have happened had Sarah and Felix gotten Kira and ran as originally intended. Remember back at the very beginning of season one, that was the plan, get her from Mrs. S and go. Yeah. And this seems to be the kind of thing that, that would have happened to the, the whole shoplifting incident. Right. I guess stay hidden long enough to come up with whatever the next step is going to be. That's right. Um, but she talks to Kira after they, you know, steal food from the little mini Mart and tells her, you know, we don't ordinarily do this only when we have to. But then the other thing is that, you know, talking about what it is they've just witnessed back at the farmhouse and, and, you know, Felix is the one that points out that Mrs. S was not what they thought. Our dear old mom's a dead eye with the rifle. Yeah, he, he's almost impressed by that and has to wonder, just like we do, what's Mrs. S's background that gave her that dead eye shot? Right, right. And he, you know, correctly assumes she's clearly done this before. So uh, obviously the questions come up about her and, and, and again, where is she? So, I mean, and, and again, we still really don't know what her tie, if any, to 
leaky in the dyad. Yeah, she's got some kind of unknown tie, and her group got corrupted by payment from the Prolethians, we assume, uh, yeah. Brenda and Barry. So not sure what her connection is originally, because we never got enough depth from her cohorts. You know, abandoning the truck, look, I don't know what else they were supposed to do with the truck, but you knew nothing good was going to come of that. And certainly we see the the police officer come upon it. But again, the other, you know, just Kira, I'm not sure how old she's supposed to be, eight, nine. Somewhere in there. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I, th- I think she, she mentions about how long ago it was with Cal. Um, but she's certainly wise beyond her years. I mean, she gets, not granted, maybe uh, Sarah told her we're throwing the credit card away so that nobody can track us. But Mrs. S protected us even though she lied to us. Yeah, very savvy for a kid. And, you know, so anyway, hey, this this uh, cabin looks good. Why don't we break in here? <laughs> and, uh, you know, again, the way they introduced Cal to us, I thought was very adept. I, I really like that Felix is freaking out, Sarah not so much. And, I mean, she's freaking out, I think, enough so that Felix doesn't sense something's wrong. Yeah, well, they were taking a gamble from the sense that Cal could have never showed up. And then what was her plan if the cabin had just been empty? Was it really just going to be a way station on their way somewhere else? Maybe she was just taking a uh, gamble that he would show up so she could work her magic on him. But yeah, I love that, especially considering how surprising is it that Sarah hid Cal's, the fact of Cal existing as the father for eight years. Yeah, which didn't sit well with Felix. But, you know, I guess why would she think he wouldn't be there? This is where he lives. Oh, is it? I thought maybe it was like some kind of vacation cabin. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I guess I got the idea that he got, I mean, he tells Felix he got pushed out by his partners. Uh-huh. And, you know, we'll, we'll touch on what it was that he did, uh, you know, in a little bit. But, I, I mean, I got the impression that that he was done with the corporate world. I mean, he certainly was not happy the, that his technology was sold to the military. And, you know, now he's up in the woods where he can do no harm almost, right? He says, you know, they they kill people from Virginia. I don't do that. Yeah, so you're right. This is probably his full-time residence. Yeah. Now, whether she knows all of that and and whether she knows that his partner's forced her out, because I think she does say something about that. Well, she part of the con that she was pulling on him had to do with uh, the sale of his company and all that. So we got a hint of it. We didn't get the full details, but certainly... Uh, she knew that there was money to be made on this mark. Yeah, right. Now, a lot of emotional scenes in this episode, and certainly one of the most emotional was when Sarah sits down for a heart-to-heart with Kira, telling her that when she was her age, she was angry because you know she didn't have the traditional parents. Kira points out that Sarah's always... Wait a minute, Mom. Uh, that doesn't it, quite fit with my upbringing. Exactly. But... You know, just the, the, the one tear, you know, comes down Sarah's and then the other one. And, and really, um, Skylar Wexler, who plays Kira, she's just fabulous. I mean, this episode, more than any, really drove that point home. And, uh, you know, she's just wonderful. So well, I think this mainly, this episode, you talk about action-packed episodes, especially leading off a season. This one has sort of an emotional pace to it, a slower pace, except for the very end, of course, the <laughs> the big car wreck. But... Most of the time, yeah, I think it's really being paced by these heart-to-heart conversations, and there's more than one. 
on the heels of that, Felix and Cal have a little heart to heart. And, and, and again, talk about the emotional, heart wrenching scene when when Felix recognizes that, you know, there's no place for him here. Oh, yeah. I really felt bad for him. Yeah. And, you know, he mentions that that Allison needs me. And, and you know, at least there is that. Yeah. But 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 still. But what comes out of that scene, though, is we find out Cal's background and he did something with bee pollination, mini drone pollinators areas where bee populations had crashed and he designed the micro optics and of course like any good technology the military comes in and <laughs> develops it for their own needs and you know that's going to come back into play at some point well yeah i did a quick search and and uh, you know apparently cloning and bees is a big deal oh uh, yes that's a good connection right but obviously one of the downsides that i again just very cursory check that one of the downsides of cloning bees is that they all have the exact same genetic material and that's as it's not good in people it's not good in bees apparently either or potatoes or potatoes <laughs> you get the big uh, potato famine right and bananas but that's another story um he's like you mentioned before he, he's pretty upset that for eight years he was guessing who the father was, yeah. he, you know, some drummer in some band or something. But I like how he describes her as, you are a wrecking ball, an exploding cigar. That was my favorite description of Sarah, because it's pretty accurate. Yeah, and it reminded me of those scenes in season one with Vic. Yeah. You know, when Vic would show up at Felix's apartment and and just, you know, be ready. I mean, except that he knew Felix and knew Felix was really not at fault. You you could just see that that that's a perfect image. That wrecking ball. Yeah, <laughs> they were a perfect match there, and Vic in some ways. Yep. And then when we see him hitchhiking with his bags, and I guess that one little case is his makeup case, I guess. <laughs> and and the car stops, and he's back to Allison. He's back to now. Uh, we've got the scene then when the local cop stops by that's, you know, I guess checking to see if he's seen anything. And, you know, obviously they're friends. Do you think the, the fact that the cop notices the little candy wrapper, is that going to come back? Well, he does seem to be a very savvy cop, doesn't he? He seems yeah. to be very skilled. Uh, the fact that he was tracking down the lost vehicle in conjunction with the, the shoplifting and it, gosh, if he checks to see, what is missing from the store and he finds that that candy is one of them he could put two and two together yeah so well it wasn't he but wasn't he the one that was in the car that came back to the place um you know what i'm not sure because you you mentioned to me earlier that you thought there were two co cops in that car that drove up to cal's when daniel was there but i'm thinking it's the same guy the friend okay all right we'll have to go back and watch that one again but <laughs> uh, yeah you could be right uh obviously it would be good. I know this is going to sound terrible. It, it, it would be good for Sarah and Cal if it was. But yeah. anyway, you know what I mean. Well, of course, then, you know, we've got the scene. She comes down uh, and this, this, the moment she says, Kira's out like a light, mm -hmm. you know what's going to happen next. <laughs> and it does. She's going to have to wake her up. <laughs> yep. Well, but but yeah, but uh, he talks her out of that. And, oh, 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 okay. You mean yes. like the, the intimate scene? <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. So then, you know, we've got Daniels posing as this detective and, you know, back to my Terminator image. I mean, again, it's, you know, the local cop is tracking him apparently. And I'm not sure where, you know, how that all transpired. Yeah. How did the, why did the uh, cop come back? Maybe it was because of the candy wrapper. Maybe that was a clue that he wanted to check up on later. But uh, Daniel 
tracking him down by way of saying, uh, have you seen this girl around to the shopkeeper and, and somehow gets an idea of where they're headed. So yeah, not quite sure how you knew which cabin they were headed to, but there you have it. Right. So, you know, I, I guess we're led to believe that this is either the first one he checked or, you know, whatever. He's maybe just maybe the shopkeeper one. told him because they're friends with the cop. It's just a small town. You know, maybe the cop told him about the fact that he went up and visit, visited Cal and all that. You never know. Yeah. And I kept half expecting Cal to take a shot. I mean, it looked like he had a few shots that mm-hmm. he could have taken. But regardless, uh, he's got Kira. Daniel's got Sarah. Yeah, surprising. I'm surprised Daniel didn't follow up and just keep going. I mean, it's going to make for a more interesting story, but it did seem strange that Daniel just sort of said, "Ah, okay, I'll just take her instead. Well, the only thing I I, I guess I would say is that uh, Cal did fire that one warning shot. That's true. And perhaps Daniel thought, all right, I don't want this to end up as a bloodbath with both of the people I'm supposed to bring back dead. True. So takes Sarah and goes from there. And he's got the Project Lita photo. And, you know, by the way he said it to whoever he was talking to on the other line, it almost seemed that he was aware of Project Lita. Oh, you think so? No, I mean, he didn't. I, I don't know. Maybe Project Lita 77. Well, and he, I think he's talking to Rachel. Okay. But you're right. I, I don't think he did recognize Project Lita, but he just sort of is stating it in a very matter-of-fact way, so it could go either way. All right, so Sarah still have feelings for Cal, or is this just, again, part of uh, what she does to survive? I think Cal's going to become instrumental to the story in some way, especially since he has uh, Kira, and perhaps there will be some kind of relationship for them in the future. Shippers, get started. Is he my father? (laughs) Yeah, again, and you have to know, what you have to think which of these things that she's saying is because of some ability that she has or is it literally like uh sarah says cal is somewhat perceptive as well and she says oh that's where she gets it from yeah, yeah. so so yeah because it does seem a little bit almost too perceptive on kira's part sometimes right now we assume daniel's going to take sarah back to rachel to rachel and then we'll you know like we mentioned you know is there some kind of connection before what cal was doing technology wise yeah and and the cloning experiments and dyad or so you know that that'll be something to keep an eye on but uh delphine and cosima and i i was a little put off by the way cosima was acting as they walked into leaky's office oh really i'm going to be careful she said uh, an episode or two ago and then she's walking in all flirty and sexual Doing a pretty good leaky impression, putting eels in his <laughs> in his machines there. But yeah, it is a little bit strange how she goes from cautious to happy-go-lucky sometimes. Yeah. And and you mentioned the uh, leaky imitation. I mean, is there anybody that Tatiana Maslany can't do? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, but I, I guess the key thing is we're introduced to another clone. Yeah. Jennifer, Jennifer Fitzsimmons, high school teacher, swim coach, and developed these polyps on her lung and apparently she was the first one to show symptoms we thought before it was katya obinger right but she actually well she lasted longer than katya there's that saying for it because she only died three days previous to the occurrences of this episode well katya is the german right right and she didn't die of her 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 disease (laughs) yeah that bullet to the forehead (laughs) that took precedence yeah um but still, it's another, and and it and it's starting to occur to me that you got a lot of clones 
in a relatively small area. You know, I mean, I know what I'm saying. You know, the United, even United States and Canada, there's a lot of a lot of the same people that look alike that you would think <laughs> that, you know, that this would have all come to light much sooner. Why? Where was Jennifer? Do you know which part of the country? Um, I don't know, but I mean, clearly North America. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm going by her accent. I mean, but I seem to remember in season one they talked about a couple of Italians and some other. You know, there might be quite a few in Europe too. Well, true, true. So, but you're saying they should have run into each other or had some connections besides the ones between Allison, Casima, and well, and Beth. Well, I mean, we're up to what eight to ten to twelve. I mean, you yeah. know, <laughs> including the ones that we just have uh, birth certificates for or death certificates, but. Anyway, they've got tapes, and, and that's really what Delphine wanted to show her, the a video journal, uh, and Dyad, she feels Dyad is coming to her rescue. Basically, Dyad obviously just wants to study her. That's right. And, and I think she may have re- realized it at the end, because she says, I've come here to die. Yeah. And she knows that something more, and and she stayed naive till the end, which is what's really interesting. Uh Kasima actually has trouble with that. She doesn't like the fact that Jennifer was in the dark the whole time. Right, right. And and, and again, I don't want to go, you know, take take that too far because obviously Dyad is in their best interest if she stays alive. But clearly, they do want to study her. And then performing the autopsy on her. Uh, Whoa. Yeah, that was pretty pretty intense. Yeah, yeah. If you can't handle it. I can handle it. Don't be a bitch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, well, it's also that all, that reaction also was due to the fact that clearly Jennifer's boyfriend, Greg, was her monitor. And so you have to wonder how genuine their relationship was. And I think that bothers Kasima as well, since her handler, her monitor also is someone that she cares for. Right, right. Um, and, you know, again, at the while they're performing the autopsy, the phone rings. And it's, of course, Allison, who's in this play that's all about blood and... Blood ties. Yes, blood ties. So the first scene we see with Allison and Donnie, it's almost as if she's just trying to to annoy him on purpose. Aren't you supposed to be at work? Well, because now that she's rediscovered that he's her, his mo- he's her monitor, that's all she wants to do is just... <laughs> right, annoy him. Yes. And I, I'm like, dude... When he suggested sex, I'm thinking, no. Morning's my best time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, and then we, we see the dress rehearsal, and, and it seemed as if the director was basically telling her to tone it down, don't give it your best now. Or was it because the singing was a bit over the top? Well, that's and that's what I'm wondering. I felt that she was maybe blaring it blasting it and so yeah. he was just like yeah yeah let's save it for the performance yeah <laughs> because yeah. The, all the stress i guess yeah now i thought it was it was really great the way she caught on immediately to angie who you know approaches her with the you know with the story about locking her phone in her car and all of that and then the second time i know who you are well she thinks she thinks angie's another monitor though well well absolutely right and Angie still doesn't obviously know what's going on. She no. just knows that there are a bunch of people that all look the same. Yeah. Well, the funny thing for me is that Allison, when she calls Kasima to warn her, because she thinks maybe other people are being double monitored, she doesn't realize this has nothing to do with the, the leaky monitor situation. So Angie's just trying to get facts in any form. But unfortunately for Angie, the fact that Allison is so suspicious of the monitor situation, she gets absolutely nowhere. 
Right. And and the other aspect of emotionality, I think, with Allison and, you know, she kind of counters it with the fact that she's such a soccer mom and all of that. (laughs) And and but the fact that she's drinking and taking pills again. And and it, it to me, that's really sad because she met her sisters and really was becoming a different person. And now she's kind of, you know, fallen back into that dark, dark place again. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you're not doing the full size bottle of alcohol, Allison, it's still, it's still like drinking profusely. Yep. And that scene where she falls off the stage and for, for getting her lines and just completely dizzy. I mean, it's not, Allison is, we're used to her being the comic relief and that's definitely not funny. And we don't no. like, we don't like seeing her that way. No. Now, I'm certain they're going to take her to the hospital. Are we going to have the, the same situation again that we found out with Helena in, in that her organs are reversed? No, I think that might be unique because okay. of Sarah and Helena being born to the same mother. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I think Helena is unique in that respect. Maybe not unique across the board, but certainly among our small group of clone club. Okay. Now, uh, Helena at the Prolethean Ranch, I'm not sure what it is he's planning no i mean you know i mean mark you know we've, we've got the references to her fertility yeah and and having more of grace who we found out is actually henrik's uh daughter and do we did we even know what henrik's name was until this episode i don't know uh, i don't think so i mean i just happened to see it in uh imdb but she's very much against uh helena in general thinking that she's barely even human and Henrik has to sort of persuade her uh, about their mission. And you have to wonder how many people on this farm are in Henrik's camp, because, of course, he's got the science background, and how many are like Tomas. Uh, right. Now, she's still recuperating, and, and Helena tells her she already has a family. I don't want to join your family. And clearly they've got her drugged. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that especially comes out in that, that final scene, that ceremony. I mean, I guess is she binding, are they binding her to Henrik? Yeah. And is it a family binding or is it like a polygamist kind of situation? Yeah. Yeah. With the, oh, the all dressed in white, she's been heavily sedated and, you know, and then in the background, we see that Art is taking pictures. Yeah, exactly. And now how did he track down? He had a photo that matched the sign out front with the fish on it. Yeah, but I don't, again, I'm not sure how he put all of that together. But I'm glad he did, but it's going to be interesting to see where his investigation turns, because one thing that we learned is that this sect of the Prolethians is a small group that's broken away from the old world. So they might just be a group with their own ideas that tie into religion, and that's what's important. It's something where it's ritualistic in that way, but uh, whether or not it's... uh, going to be something that will pull in Sarah later or are they satisfied with Helena? Cause I feel like Helena was like the consolation prize. Right. They know about Sarah, yeah. I assume. And they, I think they wanted Kira or Sarah or something and, and Helena was the best they could get. Right. And I, I just think obviously we have to figure that Helena is going to escape. I mean, I, I believe they're going to end up underestimating her, whatever drugs they're giving her. She's going to, you know, do the whole, pill under the tongue thing and then spit them out and, and she'll get her wits back and, and get out of there. The other, the one thing about the Prolethians I want to mention too, is that they cleaned up the crime scene. Yeah. Burned everything down at the, at the farm of the bird watchers. So obviously that was a plan of theirs that went wrong in terms of getting Sarah and or Kira. And so 
that was an interesting scene too, from uh, the standpoint of witnessing it from afar. Right. Right. And, and that they said, Henrik says something that, that leads us to believe that the bird watchers were under his control at this point. Right. And, and so, and Daniel was the one that saw that. I was thinking at first that that had tied in with art viewing the farm from afar, but actually the farm being burnt down, the uh, Birdwatcher's farm, that is, was Daniel witnessing it. He got away with the small picture of Kira, and that's it. <laughs> yep. But uh, all of this puts us to the final scene. Mm -hmm. uh, Daniel is smart enough to make Sarah drive so that, so that he can keep the gun on her. Does she cause that accident? I am baffled. <laughs> I mean, you know, obviously we don't have the context of the whole intersection, but she gets hit on the passenger side, which is where he's sitting. Does she run a red light? Does she run a stop sign? I mean, something, right? I mean, right? I yeah. Mean, so I'm guessing she had the presence of mind to do it deliberately. Yeah, I would think so. It just didn't look that way because they wanted to surprise us, and they certainly did. I would oh about jump out of my seat. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think she did do it deliberately. Yeah, that takes me back. One of the first shows that that I saw that used that technique was during Alias. Oh gosh, yeah. Wow. Well, all right. Well, listen, guys. Thanks for joining us. Mike and I will be back next week to discuss episode four, titled "Governed as It Were by Chance." And if you'd like to send us feedback, we've been getting great feedback from people just giving us general thumbs up for doing the podcast. And you can chime in, though, if you like, on SpeakPipe on either the Fatalists or the Liberate website. Or you can send an email to feedback at continuumpodcast.com or fatalistspodcast at gmail.com. Or lastly, you can always leave a voicemail at 773-LIBERATE-8. And we'll see you next time. Alone in my mind, I'm starting to lose control Now for Judy's side, I threw my life in the old No see much you regret, I never see you again But I've no more respect, please just leave me in my bed